0: Welcome back to the Retro Resolution podcast. This is our 2022 holiday special. So I'm not going to number it is where I'm landing on that. Uh, And uh, anyway, uh, I'm Dylan. This is Matt. And uh, today we are going to talk about some holiday uh, stories. But before we do that, as always, I want to talk about what we've been playing. Um. I'm going to go first. I have been playing on my Steam Deck, uh, really digging in almost every night. I sit down and I play like an hour at least of um, Metroid Prime yeah. with the Prime hack for, with, with a, uh, and I'll talk about what each of these are, with a um, specific texture pack to make it steam deck buttons for the prompts in the game uh, so uh, metroid prime is uh truthfully my first metroid game uh and i know i went back and later found the other one You know, sure the but it makes me great. feel
1: a little old because i remember when metroid came out <laughs> so, yeah uh
0: so anyway metroid <laughs> prime uh is, is, a, is a Metroid game on the GameCube. It was a big shift because it puts you in first person for Samus. And uh, yeah. I would not necessarily call it a first-person shooter. Yeah. It's a first-person game in which you shoot. But uh, it's it's a Metroid game, really. And that means there's not as much combat focus as, uh, as like, a Call of Duty. But anyway.
1: And a lot uh, of the was, shooting was kind of, like, aim... Shoot at something, or you know, open a door, you know that type of thing. It it was a very different type of shooter type game.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah, sure, yeah, that yeah. That It I had like a, a lock on mechanic, so it wasn't lock-on about like yeah. sh- you know shooting tactics as much as it was like a puzzle game, you know, a Metroid game. Puzzles, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, it, and I'm playing it in the Dolphin emulator on the Steam Deck. Uh, with a modification called Prime Hack. And uh, Prime Hack is like a set of um, alterations to the game to make it more friendly on modern controls. Uh, And it changes some... Textures to merge some stuff. Anyway, it's ma- it's mainly that it alters the control package and and makes it compatible with like dual analog sticks and modern buttons. And uh, it's it's kind of neat. Um, it's huge, actually.
1: I mean, I honestly, those games for me were kind of frustrating with the mm-hmm. with the controller setup. I the think the primary analog, reason is oh.
0: because it wasn't a dual analog control. That's right it was a it's so the normal games of course movement is on the left analog stick and uh look your camera is on the right analog stick but in metroid uh the right analog stick was assigned to switching which weapons you had so all of the movement and aim happened in the left analog stick and how this worked was forward and back up and down on the d-pad moved you forward and back in in movement left and right on the d-pad moved your vision rotated it to the left or to the right which meant that vertical relied almost entirely on the lock-on mode or you could plant in place and hold another button and it would let you look around in free aim mode but you wouldn't be able to move at the same time yes which uh, was, is maybe, fine yeah but after wild. you're used to 20 years now of good controls on a controller yeah. it in no fairness
1: you know yeah it was back before dual analog was the standard of you know controlling but yeah. even back then i felt like uh i was excited that it was this 3d and that it was using a controller but even then i was like man there's got to be a better way you know, there's gotta be a better yeah. way than that. I this. mean,
0: to this point, the standard for shooters was GoldenEye in two thousand one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, GoldenEye used a very similar control method because it, the N sixty four only had one analog yes. stick. Yeah. And uh, and yep. console first person shooters weren't really a thing at that point. That's
1: right. Yeah.
0: So anyway. Halo and Metroid Prime came out in the same year, so that's what that and that's how that landed. Is that Halo won the control situation?
1: Yeah, um, that gives you kind of a time frame of yeah. where we were at. But yeah. with this hack,
0: you yeah, know, it's it's awesome. And so I should say that yeah. while Metroid Prime is a GameCube game. Prime Hack, I actually think, does work on the GameCube game. There's a version of it for that. But Prime Hack's main focus is on the Metroid Prime trilogy, which came to the Wii, and retrofitted Metroid Prime 3's motion controls, which are way closer in in identity to dual analog sticks uh, of today. And then uh, it, it retrofits those controls on Metroid Prime and Metroid Prime 2. So it's a Wii game that's being modified to control the functions of uh, of the game and remap them and stuff. That's right. And it's it's huge and awesome. And actually, I should probably pull up what the uh, full utility of it is. But um, like I said, like there's textures that get moved because in the re-release of Metroid Prime on Wii, they removed some stuff and. Uh, they uh, just altered some like certain interactions so that it kind of melds the best of both versions of the game. Yeah. Remaps the controls uh, and allows for some cheats uh, built in if you want, skip cutscenes, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, allows you to invert. The controls, all sorts of stuff. It's I'm looking at the list here. Most of them are not notable to point out, but uh, it's just a whole suite of, of control graphics agents, alterations. Yeah. So I have been playing it, uh, like I said, with the texture pack to the buttons, and I love that game. I've played it through a few times now, uh, as you know, since I got it as a kid, and I'm loving the experience on the Steam Deck. It's really, really good. There is a few things that are kind of um, weird that are my fault. Uh, one is that I prefer to play with inverted look, which most people don't.
1: You're you're a sinner. I
0: mean, yeah. So I get that a lot. Wow. Um, I prefer wow. inverted look. And which means that uh, menus Canada? that rely on the Wii pointer <laughs> <laughs> are inverted vertically, and that is bad. So what here's a cool thing that I can do with the Steam Deck that you wouldn't be able to do if you were playing Prime Hack with like an Xbox controller on PC. And that is that uh, the Steam Deck has those trackpads. Yes. So I use the trackpad for menu navigation that requires the the you know the arrow like it's a Wii pointer. and then for gameplay i use the right analog stick inverted perfect uh and um it's i i also use the gyro built into that controller and so like if i want to do some like free aim i can use the gyro to to do the aiming on that by touching the the trackpad um which is awesome because sometimes the uh the, the maximum sensitivity is pretty low in that game so anyway yeah, that's what i've been playing
1: it can be really good with that uh,
0: with what a beautiful game what a yeah. a, a, a it's just a, a real nostalgia experience for me to hear the music and uh see all those sights again it's, it's just a it's a really excellent game a really excellent way to play that game
1: yeah it really is like for me it's allowed I me and i'm still just i i've got it i got it set up on the steam deck and i've been playing uh a little bit of it uh it's definitely not the main game i've been playing right now but it's one of those ones where i'm like yeah i'm coming back to this and gonna spend a ton of time on it because the enjoyability factor for me totally changed with that being able to use that control scheme Mm and uh and how what, I was a little skeptical at first. I was like, "Really?" But oh, no, it's, it, it it's just, so it's good, amazing. It's really good, and and it just makes that game for yeah so much more fun. And uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, what have you I, been playing? So I've been playing on the PC, uh, and the reason, and I need to probably uh, a Windows PC, and I I do want to I do want to try to get this over to the Steam Deck, but. Uh, it's a very new, well, not very new, but it, uh, for me, it is newer. Uh, uh, you know, they've reverse engineered a lot of the N64 games and, uh, one of the ones that's desperately been needed, uh, to have updated like, uh, graphics, uh, was Mario Kart 64. So they did a lot of digital imagery on that one. And so uh, if you try to go to a higher resolution or anything like that, it looks very uh, low resolution because they were digitized pictures or images of, like, say, the, the text, for example. Uh, so people have gone in now, and uh, very similar to Mario 64, they're updating the imagery. Uh, I, I can't think of the word. What's the word
0: Resolution.
1: Well, Up-scaling? it's scaling. Like, it's it's like yeah, the, a lot of the scaling. They're they're updating the the actual images that they're use that the that the game is using. So uh, it just looks really good uh, uh, with these updated graphics and the updated. Uh, uh bitmaps and things like that that they've gone in and 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 uh so you can download these packs these image packs and uh yeah it just looks really great and nice. uh, mario 64 uh was one of the first games i really got into uh with the nintendo 64 i think i've mm. told you uh you know when that was the first time i had uh well, I think many people had experienced uh, what what is now the norm is that consoles, you know, up to that point, you could just, you know, a, a console was released. Uh, there were plenty to, to be found at every store. And so you just look forward to the release day and you just showed up and, yeah, there might be a line, uh, but... There was never a worry like, oh, I'm not going to get a console. But uh, this one, people, we knew ahead of time, of course, which was really good. Uh, but, yeah, I showed up at a Target in Bend, Oregon at, at you know 6 a.m., which was two hours before they were going to open up. Uh, just because I, I had already purchased a couple games because they had released the games earlier. And so you could go, and that was kind of the lame thing that Nintendo did, is like, hey, go buy your games. And then people found out that, oh, you might not get a game system for at least a month or two, which, of course, back then sounded like an eternity compared to nowadays, where, oh, you might not get a console for two years because you're still trying to buy a PS5, you know. Uh, but there were, like, there were, in at the time, small town Bend, Oregon, there was... I think there were 10 of us in line and we were all like, yeah, we're going to get one, you know, no big deal. They, and I was number three in line. They came out and gave out five little tickets and said, yep, that's all the units we have. So if you didn't get a ticket, uh, we're sorry, come back in about 30 days, we should have some more. And, uh, you know, we, as a group, we'd all been talking about how like, Oh, we had purchased this game or whatever. And of course I had gotten Mario 64 and I'd got Mario Kart 64. Uh, And so, uh, yeah, they just hauled us inside the target and was like, yep, here you go. And they literally just kind of had them right there at the, at the checkout. And so, and they had numbers on them even there. Mm -hmm. So it was like, Oh, if you're number three, which is what I was, here's your, here's your unit and they wanted you to they were like if you want to go into the store you can but you need to purchase this first and i was like i'm just buying this and getting the heck out of here before yeah. someone robs me you know <laughs> uh but uh you know i was really excited that i got one but especially nowadays where you know i rarely get in on the on the on the day one release of of a unit anymore but uh that Mario Kart 64 was so much fun being able to play uh, my roommates i had I had several roommates at the time, and we all just would join up and play on screen and uh, yeah, it was really fun. but emulation was was a real bummer because of the the low res graphics yeah so,
0: well, so it's like it's the reason the n64 looks particularly weird is because they used a lot of uh, low resolution. Uh, 2D assets that were in the 3D world assets. That's next, the I was to, for. Yeah. next to next uh, to a polygon, which is a yeah. which is a shape drawn by the computer using math rather than being like predefined colors assets. in a pixel, yes. and uh, the what happens with emulation that looks real bad is that the uh, polygon is rendered with, like, a high resolution. That's right. That your computer can figure out today that the N64 couldn't, whereas before it was only drawing that polygon with, like, 20 to 40 pixels or whatever yeah. and so it looked really like just as pixelated as the images that it was next to yeah it all and matched up
1: it all matched up. yeah
0: it was it was all basically the same you know really big textures you yeah. know on a on a flat surface you knew were like okay now yeah. it doesn't look so great but mostly Polygons and textures lived nicely next to each other, but when the polygons are like anti-aliased to a high resolution, yeah, and the texture didn't gain any resolution,
1: it's it looks so,
0: really stark on an N64 uh, emulator.
1: So now that they're reverse engineering these and allowing uh, you know new assets to be added that are you know faithfully recreated, yeah. Uh, Oh, it looks great, and it's awesome. So, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun playing the Mario Kart sixty four. It's you know, it's a it's a simple driving game, but man, it's a blast. So, uh, uh, that's what I've been playing.
0: Nice. So, uh, for the holiday special, I just wanted to like tell a story. that's yeah. like about video games around the holidays uh and so i got a funny story i thought about it the, like a month ago and then was like oh we should we should do that um probably was it was like two weeks ago but uh anyway <laughs> i uh um i have this story i think it's funny and uh, is sort of in the holiday spirit and that it like is the the it being the holidays is highly related to the, the point of the story so anyway <laughs> it's funny i've been playing metroid prime although Those are probably not mutually exclusive uh, sources for like, I probably thought about this story around the same time I started playing Metroid Prime. Uh, So Metroid Prime came out in 2001, I believe. uh, And it uh, was like late in the year, right? You know, one of those September, October, November releases. um,
1: Yeah, it was like a late fall
0: kind of. Yeah, it was a late fall, you know, um, to go for the holiday video game sales kind of thing. How old were you? That's the thing. I was. I would have been ten, and I had been reading Nintendo Powers. I had a subscription to Nintendo Power for a a long time as a kid, and uh, so I was reading Nintendo Powers leading up to that. Release and so I was. I'd read all about Metroid Prime and it just looked like the coolest video game on earth. Oh, it and did. yeah, I was so hype. And uh, I'm a you know big Nintendo nerd, and so I'm just really interested in the next hot Nintendo product. And sure. uh, and I have a GameCube, big huge GameCube fan, and uh, I just like really wanted Metroid Prime, and my parents knew it. And around the same time, Animal Crossing had come out, like, earlier that year. And I had played it at a friend's house and, uh, like, was convinced, despite the really weird ads on TV for it that did not sell me on it. No. uh, No. I, uh, after playing it at a friend's house, I was like, oh, this Animal Crossing game looks great. So I had, I kind of wanted both. But I wanted Metroid Prime way more. Um, <laughs> so when it came time, we were at the we were at the rental store, which is another old thing. We were out of the Hollywood video rental store. And, uh, you know, my parents occasionally would let me rent a game. So I, I'm walking around the rental store's video game aisle looking for a game to rent. You know, I'm like, oh, I got a GameCube. What GameCube games do I want to play? And of course, Animal Crossing and Metroid Prime are available. And uh, I'm like, well, which one? Which one do I do? Um, and so I wanted, and we're ta- we're talking like this is a week and a half before Christmas, maybe wow. two weeks before Christmas. And I'm I'm like, I want to I want to play Metroid Prime. <laughs> so I pick it up. The problem was it was rated T. And I was, like I said, like 10 or maybe 11. I can't yeah. remember. It's
1: still right around there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and it had just come out and was on the rental shelf. And I was like, I want to play this. And uh, the I, I'm like, hey, can I rent this, Dad? And he's like, no. I'm like, why? <laughs> you said I could rent something. He's like, no. You can't rent that. No. And I was so upset. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was being a a little terrible kid. I, right. quite frankly, don't know why my dad rented. After behavior like that, I wouldn't have wanted to allow me to rent anything. Right. Uh, after After the, like, little meltdown I had. And, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like... It wasn't, like, angry, screaming. It was just like, why? Like, why? This doesn't make any sense. Why are yep. you being like this? And he was just like, no, because it's tea. And I'm like, yeah, but come on. Like, I'm. <laughs> it's, it's not that. You know how the ratings it's work. Game. What does the box says. What does the box say? Uh Oh, my GameCube games aren't out here. Uh, It's, like, mild violence and yeah. I don't know adult right. themes. Whatever. I have no idea. Uh, but Metroid Prime barely rates a T rating. It really um, does.
1: I'm kind of surprised it even made to Well,
0: so at the time, E10 plus didn't exist. I'm confident that if it were back then and the E10 plus existed, it would be E10 plus not th- not yeah. T. But anyway, that's beside the point. I'm just like, why is like, because it's T and you're not you're not a teen.
1: <laughs> so.
0: I'm just like kind of heartbroken, really just annoyed i'm like, this is not a logical thing for my dad um, and so i I ran at Animal Crossing, which I love and loved, but uh I just you know I wanted to play Metroid Prime, yeah, but I suspected that his his answer was so illogical to me. That I, and you know, maybe I knew, maybe this was a test from the beginning because I suspected that the reason he said no was not because it was tea, but because it was what they heard had already gotten me for Christmas. Yeah. And although maybe after my dumb meltdown, maybe that's what ended up being for Christmas. I can't remember if this was the case because, uh, I definitely remember this part. It was so illogical to me that I had seen a gift under the Christmas tree that looked, you know, DVD case shaped, sure. could have been a GameCube game. And actually, GameCube games were easy to identify differently than, yeah. a, than a DVD, because the box had a little bit of a of a dip towards mm-hmm. the opening on the top and bottom, totally. and it had a square hole on the bottom. So if you were to push. On the wrapped gift, you'd be able to tell if it was a GameCube game. You wouldn't be able to tell what game, though.
1: GameCube game, right.
0: And I was a curious and maybe a little overly clever 10-year-old who's like, this doesn't add up. And I think that's what that is and why. And now I have to know. I don't want to wait. I just have to know. (laughs) So I, when my parents weren't around or weren't looking, I don't know. I went and found that gift, paid attention to where it was and how it was placed, pulled it up, pulled the, peeled the tape off and unwrapped the end. Wow. And slipped it out just enough to see and slipped it back in. I don't think... That I was ballsy enough to pull the disc out and play it before. I I wasn't I didn't go that far, but I did pull it out to confirm like yes, indeed, I got totally. Metroid Prime for Christmas. Wow. And slipped wow. it back in, and then went on continuing my happy way, playing Animal Crossing. Totally, totally. You know? But uh You know, But I knew I was getting Metroid Prime for Christmas. So the excitement that I expressed on that day was not in surprise of knowing what it was, but it was in getting to experience it now because I didn't yet. I just knew the confirmation. I I hadn't played it. So I was really excited to play the game. So that's my fun little Christmas story about retro games and, and Metroid Prime, one of my favorite games. Uh This is like a weird Christmas thing. Like I went and pulled yeah. a gift from under I the tree and unwrapped exactly. it. I
1: have I have to admit I've never pre-opened a Christmas present, so you, you've got me on that one. That that's pretty. uh That's crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a fun like wow, you oh, know, yeah. kids, you know.
1: Oh yeah, totally. No, and I and I've got a similar story w- in a weird way, but. uh where i ruined my christmas surprise mm. but uh did have you you told totally me to talk to your parents about that now i'd be curious to see what you're like about like was it at like a like a block it was like a video rental store yeah yeah and uh uh you know in my day and age back in my day we had rental stores but you know, renting video games was definitely not a thing yet. It was, it was, oh, really? a yeah, you know, it was a little, sl- you know, like even like it, they were kind of, at least in my, in my small town that I grew up in Idaho, uh, video games were kind of a late thing. You know, they, uh, they started doing it towards the end of the Nintendo, the NES area. Okay. Era. And then
0: Snes, it was kind of. I mean, SNES swing. was
1: a thing, totally. Okay. You know, then uh, it was a thing, uh, and I can say that because I worked at a rental store at that point, and uh, I remember, yeah, okay. I remember like cleaning SNES cartridges, the connections, the we had a we had a a, a cleaner uh, alcohol cleaning method we had to do uh, per the mm-hmm. store. So when new, whenever. Uh, and uh Sega uh Genesis or SNES games came in we had to clean them and I I still remember cleaning those <laughs> but uh uh my first game that I ever got for Christmas was it was a PC game uh and this is in between the 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 era and I'll talk more about this on on my birthday year types uh Podcast that we're going to do uh well might even do next but uh there was that time between the atari and the nes where video games had kind of uh, almost gone bankrupt people were like oh video games you know they came they went uh once Atari like went out basically failed after the 2600 uh there was this yeah there was just this like oh yeah that that it's kind of a done deal people didn't think that there was a business uh opportunity in in video games anymore you know the arcades were still definitely a thing but home home video games really started going towards PCs and, and, or, you know, yeah. Personal right, computers, right. Uh, whether you had an, uh, Apple, like my, my friend had an Apple IIe and I had a, uh, DOS base PC and, uh, uh, unwrapping Christmas presents was definitely not, or pre unwrapping Christmas presents was not a thing, but trying to find the presents before they were wrapped, was like a thing with with like my friends. They were like, oh yeah, I found out that I'm getting this or that. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. So uh, I I went through like my parents' bedroom and I found out I was getting this game that I really wanted. It was called Starflight. And they later made it for the Sega Genesis.
0: I was going to say, I think we've talked about that game already. We
1: have, and we've talked about it. And, uh, and and one of the reasons is it, it just was such a classic game for, my, uh, for me growing up. Uh, but, you know, open world space exploration was non-existent, existed yeah, before right. this game. I mean, this game in a lot of ways invented that stuff. And uh, I really wanted it. Like I, I was like, Oh, this is it. You know? So that's what it was like. I, that was like the main thing I wanted for Christmas. And, uh, and there it was, I was like, yes. Well, (laughs) foolishly my sister was with me. My three year old younger sister was with me and, uh, she tattled on me, uh, that I had found this Christmas present and I'll be honest. Uh, my dad was kind of a jerk about it. Like he was, he was, it's not that I, I mean, I screwed up, you know, I shouldn't have done that, blah, blah, blah. But he was like, man, I'm going to probably just return it. You know, I don't think you deserve it. Kind of the thing he was really. uh, And, and my dad was, was a great father, but this was definitely one of his, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I could, I definitely uh, uh, may upset him by, by doing this. And, you know, uh, I don't think he really understood that that was kind of the norm at that point with with my other friends and stuff. But anyway, so uh, I didn't even know if I was going to get it, and then when I got it, it was kind of like, "Yay, thanks," you know. But right. But I felt guilty about it because I was like, "Oh, you know, I I screwed that up or whatever." Uh, luckily, I got over it and had a you know that game became one of my you know favorite games of all time, but uh that was the last time I ever looked for presents which is funny because after that after i got busted we had a, a camping trailer and they would just store the presents in there and lock it up and they only had they were the only ones that had the keys so
0: that's funny uh,
1: so after that you know there was never uh, uh i never found out what i got and one thing I really liked that my parents did is uh you know they wouldn't put out for a lot of the presents until Christmas Eve. So I couldn't guess like, oh, this box is this, or this box is that, you know. Uh, and so the other good story that I really have is that uh, I uh, I had an Atari 2600, and like I said, there was this real dry period after that. There was the Vision, which my friend had, uh and it was great it had some you know very at that point it had some very up-to-date arcade graphics and by arcade graphics i mean like pac-man you know uh but they looked great uh it, i remember playing donkey kong on it and going wow this is just like the arcade you know which sadly wasn't <laughs> saying much um, but no compared- that's
0: it was also wildly wrong
1: Oh, yeah, it, the control factor was wrong. It really was. But
0: well, and it, the visuals are way, way oh. like, turned down, which is crazy. Yeah, for...
1: yeah. but at the time, yeah. it was like, oh, this is amazing, especially compared to the Atari 2600, which oh, sure. the Atari 2600 was, oh, man, you know, it was just big, huge blocks. So it was a, it was a pretty massive, I mean, it was an improvement. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, compared to now, oh, wow. It, or even to the original arcade, it really wasn't. But to a kid, absolutely, it was amazing.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Uh,
1: but it didn't do very well. Uh, like I said, the there was that period where, and I didn't know this as a kid. I wasn't aware that there was this period where people were like, "Yeah, the art, you know, home arcade, home video game systems are done. You know, they're not." But of course, Nintendo bucked that trend, and when the NES came out. Uh, they were Nintendo was really smart because they knew there was a market still, and that they just really needed to kind of up the game of the video graphics. The controller was so much better, and uh, every kid wanted one for Christmas. You know, it was like it was a huge purchase. You know, that was like so I knew it was kind of a big ask uh, to get one of those, but it was like, oh man, I really, you know, I was just like, oh, I hope I, I don't know if I'll get one. Cause it's, you know, they were expensive and, uh, uh, and of course there were no presents under the tree that were even like that size. So I was like, oh, but, uh, but sure enough, you know, Christmas Eve, my parents went out to the camper and, brought out this big box and it was to both me and my sister, uh, which was, which was, I think how they justified the price, which is great. Uh, and my sister did get into playing video games more, I think, because she wanted to play stuff with me, which is great. Uh, but, uh, yeah, getting that Nintendo, you know, seeing that Nintendo box under the tree Christmas morning was, uh, mm-hmm. pretty amazing, you know, uh, unwrapping it and of course setting it up and playing it and i think we had i was trying to remember what game it came with the duck hunt super mario right and it came with the shooting we got the The one that it just had the zapper it didn't have you know there was one out there that had a robot that uh could play with you i think on an i think uh I, there were like two games that actually. Yeah, did.
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, Gyromite is yeah. the one. I don't remember the name of the other one.
1: And uh, uh, it it was it looked really awesome, but it was so expensive nobody bought it. Like I even my rich friend up the street, he didn't even get that version. You know, it's so like we all got the you know the Duck Hunt Super Mario version. And uh, uh, I remember that game, and I think Zelda, and then later on the classic of all classics, Contra, uh, was amazing. Uh, that was one of the games that while it didn't look exactly like the arcade in some ways, just the playability of it and playing it with the at home, uh, and the music, uh, I think made it, uh, better, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was definitely one of the bigger Christmas, uh, especially video game wise that was probably one of the biggest uh because by that by the time the Sega Genesis came out I I think uh you know I had an allowance and I I saved up for at least half of it and and I think my parents paid for the other half or something so it wasn't like a christmas gift or something like this was but uh you know that Nintendo opened up a whole new era of home video gaming for uh a lot of a lot of people uh, at that point in time, you know it totally reinvigorated the industry and it certainly as a kid reinvigorated my interest in, in playing home video games. Uh, you know uh, I remember uh, like for example, the original Metroid. Uh, my friend got it for I think he got it for like Christmas and so and I had asked for it for my birthday. And that's a you know it's interesting like you were talking about like uh, Animal Crossing you know certain games had really weird commercials that were like yeah I don't think I'm even interested in this game it's such a bizarre like Animal Crossing I still have a bias against because of those commercials they were just so like you know uh and I really need to go and actually give those games a full try but. Uh, but yeah, those those like you said, those uh, commercials really kind of threw me for a loop.
0: Yeah. So the commercials, since talk about Animal Crossing, the commercials are like for those who haven't seen them, go check them out on YouTube. Yeah. They were like doing like I think Real World or something was like real popular on MTV at the time. Oh yeah. And, uh,
1: real World,
0: yeah. It something means- like that. And so yeah. the, they were they did the, they had these big like mascot outfit uh animal crossing characters that people were wearing and they were like doing like a real world cutaway and so they would they would have like chat amongst them and they would cut away to a a one with a with the person talking you know talking about the events from their perspective
1: yeah and but they were talking
0: about you know and they were in this weird animal crossing set it was kind of like played for laughs and they cut in a couple of clips of the game and it was like, Oh, animal crossing, the game where it's still going even when you're not playing or whatever they say. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, it just, it played it like it was an MTV real reality show and it was just right, weird.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 I totally, yeah. It was it, the mascot thing too. was just like, and, and you know, they made it intentional, you know. You, of course, like you said, they you knew that they were these fake mascot things and the people in these suits, and they just. I was like, why would you play that? You know, it just uh, very bizarre. But, uh, yeah. uh, but obviously, you know, they overcame it because, of course, Animal Crossing is is a huge deal now and uh, continues to be a big deal. So, I definitely need to give those games a, a full on try at some point well so that's pretty much my christmas holiday memories how about you
0: yeah no that's all i wanted to share for this episode i was kind of hoping to make this a short one anyway so uh well, we got to talk about our assignments
1: yeah so speaking oh, okay. of games
0: that you should get to yes uh i um i'm not gonna pull a you should play animal crossing or metroid prime on there <laughs> but uh because the one i had in mind was i had showed you the um because you're a big vinyl fan, and you keep pushing me to do it, and yes. uh, I had showed you this Bomberman Hero vinyl oh, no. that was on, it was going on, it was on for pre-order, and is going to be available next yes. year. Uh, and I was like, oh, maybe this will be the vinyl I finally buy to like get me it into it. Could have been, and it Did may still be. It? I don't, no, not no. not yet. Uh, but uh, I think that I would like to see you check out Bomberman yeah. Hero on the Nintendo 64.
1: Awesome! I think that's a that's a, that's a, you know it's funny you you we did talk about that and I was so excited about the idea of you getting vinyl I kind of totally f- forgot about like oh I should check that out because you're right I really I don't I never really played the Bomberman uh, Bomber Man so this is uh for the SNES.
0: This is for the Nintendo 64, so you'll probably okay. need to play it on an emulator. Sure. Put uh, in
1: Nintendo 64. Yeah. Bomber and so the, the Nintendo
0: 64 had a bunch of different uh Bomberman games. There's Bomberman 64, Bomberman 64 Second Strike, and wow. Bomberman Hero.
1: But Hero's the one I'm gonna play.
0: Hero's the one you should check out. I think they're all great. Bomberman hero is the one I want you to check out because it's soundtrack is what is a banger. And, nice. um, I also think it's easier to get into because, uh, it's a like action platformer game kind of, and, um, Bomberman 64 is mostly a puzzle game.
1: Oh yeah. That, and, and that's what I was thinking of was the, the puzzle aspect. So.
0: Yeah, so no, no, Bomberman Hero. They were trying to do like a little bit of a platformer. Sweet. Uh, There's still kind of, sort of puzzly things. Give it a switch or whatever, but it's it's kind of more an action platformer. Right on. So, um, cool. it's not, it's not like, oh, do you kick the bomb around the corner or whatever.
1: Wow. Uh, I am, I am, so, I am, I am so game. That so check it out because
0: the platforming's fun and neat or whatever, but the soundtrack. That's the hotness for the, for the, you got to think about the right, you know, like 1996, 97 time zone. Sure. You got to, this is probably like 98, but you got to be thinking about the time. You got to be thinking about the N64 technology. It's, it's got some bops and, uh, and it's pretty good.
1: Well, you know, and it's like, uh, just like you said, I think one of the things that made Contra feel so awesome at home was that they, did a really good job of taking the great arcade soundtrack and translating it right. to what would sound good on the Nintendo, and they, oh, yeah. they did an awesome job. It was amazing, you know, doing an eight bit sound of that music. Uh, yeah, it just it, it just totally uh, made it work. But uh, so this so game. Lay it on me. All right. So the game for you. This is one that I have talked about. I think before. It might have even been one of the games that I played uh, in our in our weekly or podcast mentions. But it uh, is one that I uh, it, it it has a lot of sentimental value to it to me. And so I'll I'll quickly talk about that. But. Uh, uh, in Idaho, we had one of the first uh I wouldn't call it a water park, but it, it was one of the first uh well it kind of was. So it was uh it was called Donata Hot Springs, and don't ask me how to spell that, but it still exists, Downata Hot Springs. Uh I'll have to find a link for it to you and send it to you. But uh uh it was uh one of the first big places they had really good hydro tubes uh i don't know what they call them now water slides that i think they just call them <laughs> water slides now. yeah but back in the 80s they were called hydro tubes
0: all right and
1: uh uh or hydro slides you know uh and this one had like one of the fastest drops and it was just awesome well uh, as I mentioned before, my parents had a little camper and a lot of times on the weekends or like my parents would take a week off we would go to different campground sites all over Idaho and Oregon and uh we spent like three or four days at this down out of hot springs uh, where uh you could camp there and then during the day you could go you could go to the you could go do the water slides and they had a big swimming pool and uh uh it was a blast it, for kids you know oh man it was so much fun and uh you know we had this 100 degree weather in and it was really dry heat in idaho in the de- kind of desert weather so uh, this was just a great place to go uh but and sadly i think they should have had more of these, but they had two arcade games. And I can't even tell you what the other one was. But the one that I I, I I was constantly begging my mom for quarters for was this game called Rolling Thunder. So, And the important part of this is this is your assignment, but you must play the uh, arcade version. So you'll definitely have to emulate it. But it's called Rolling Thunder. Uh, and one of the reasons uh i know for you you were much more of a console person growing up than an arcade person so i thought you know i want to take a game that's really sentimental to me uh beyond contra and shinobi which i go to a lot uh but this game yeah for whatever reason i associated uh, obviously to that time period where i was there at that down at a hot spring but uh rolling thunder uh is one of the, it was the, at the time, it was the James Bond game that never existed. I mean, it, it was this awesome anime-esque, which I wouldn't even know what that was back then, but it was a this kind of anime-esque James Bond uh, platform game. And it was a blast. Uh, one of the cool things about it, though, is it was the first game i had and and it might have been one of the first games that allowed you when you put in your quarters you could choose what level you wanted to start at so let's say uh you know i played the game and i got to level two and i uh uh, and i die and no more continues or whatever i could still put in a quarter and select the level two and start off at that level two so you could start all the way through i think there were six levels and it allowed you to select any of the six levels to start at uh, and of course they progressively were harder so if you decided to just start at level one and just play through it for fun because you knew it really well you could do that or you know hey i've gotten through level two uh, so it was really a great game to learn especially uh as a kid where you uh i didn't have all the money in the world to plunk into the games it was really fun to get to see the different levels the design makeup the music of the different levels uh getting to see all of that uh was really really cool uh because uh, aside from shinobi i which i i put in a fortune but i uh You know that was the first game I beat at the arcade, and uh, but I had to learn a lot of skill to and play it a lot. Where this one, uh, 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 each level had certain areas you had to learn, so it was it was great to just kind of learn those level that skill set to get through the level, and then say, okay, now I can focus on level three and not have to remember the first two levels of skill set. It was kind of fun to do that, especially because quarters were involved at the time. So uh, Rolling Thunder, obviously a lot of sentimental value to it, but I think it's got some unique stuff to it. Rolling Thunder 2 was a horrible, horrible game. I I think it was only made for consoles. So just avoid Rolling Thunder 2. Uh, It was really sad and depressing uh you know it's one of those ones where they made a sequel that was just it had enough uniqueness to it that made it awful you know it was like oh we're gonna add we're we're gonna add a female spy which was awesome character that you can play totally cool but uh she looks like a tramp, so that's a bummer. You know, kind of. You know, it's like awesome that you added a woman. Fail that she looks like a tramp, and uh, and the graphics were terrible too. So, anyhow, uh, Rolling Thunder One though uh, was a masterpiece uh, of a spy game, uh, at spy action, two D platformer. Uh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I just pulled up some videos so you can get an idea of.
1: Yeah, like can you kind, kind of see what I'm talking about? Looks like
0: the, it is. Yeah, so it's like kind of a side scroll side it is very side scroll shooter type thing. Yep.
1: Yeah, and you can you can you'll get to certain doors and you have to press up and you'll go into the door and, and you'll come you'll out get a different like,
0: door Scooby Doo style.
1: And you'll get like you'll get like a uh like ammo or you'll get like a uh you'll get yeah. like a Uzi and you know an upgraded weapon uh in in different uh and you have to time it just right because the bad guys will walk right by the door and if you come out at the same time the bad guys get you right uh, but uh yeah it's just a, it's just a really well designed side scrolling game that you know at the time there was nothing even close to uh a James Bond video game uh so right. this well
0: the, i mean there were James Bond games on, oh. like, the Atari 2600. In, like, oh, yeah, it was, yeah, years, they, they were, Exactly. They were not were, really... Yeah,
1: they were really bad. One was like, a
0: text-based... This is a text-based James Bond game. Was it? Oh, yeah, like a Zork, you know, like, where oh, you... Sure. You shoot this other Zork. spy with the golden gun yeah. and type it in, and then yeah. it does it or doesn't, you know?
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Uh, well, and it's like, there, there was an alien game Alien for the Atari and yeah it just unless you bought the box which of course you normally would but you wouldn't even know it was an Alien game once you plugged it in you know
0: so uh, how would you think would be the best for me to play the arcade version of this is it on the mister do I have to find a way to emulate it
1: that, that's the bummer is I, I they're working on it and I was hoping uh. I was hoping there would be a version of it by the time we talked, but and you know that's the sad part is by the time you actually play it, it'll probably finally come out because I think I think it's definitely Mister Doable, but oh, yeah. to my understanding, it isn't out yet. So uh, the best way to do it is probably uh, Mame. Uh, yeah. Do you have a Mame setup?
0: I can get one.
1: If not, I can I can pre one for you and and share it out for you. Yeah, I, I think I
0: can get, get it going. It shouldn't be yeah. hard.
1: Yeah. MAME is probably the best way to do it right now. Uh, yeah. I was trying to think of, there's a few other ways, but honestly I would just, I would just throw down MAME and, and play it on the PC or on Steam deck too. Actually, I was going to say I played on the Steam deck all the time. I,
0: that's what I think where I was going to go. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, just because use, because you know, M- just M- use deck. our e-
1: a- MU deck or whatever Yep and uh uh and throw down the rom and it'll it'll work great so
0: yeah but uh, um yeah classic all and right that's well that's our uh, that's our holiday episode that's so holiday thanks episode, everybody so. for listening and we will catch you next time
1: have a great holidays take care Bye.